0: Welcome to the Inconvenience Podcast, where we talk about all things convenient, with hosts Frank Beard, Bear, and Ernie Harker. Let's get inconvenient.
1: Um, hi, everybody. My name is McCray Olson. Uh, I was a contestant on 2013's season of Big Brother, uh, season 15. Um, Yeah, I got into that uh, because I'm a big fan of the show. I went tried out for it, and I've got a personality that's crazy, so they were like, let's put this crazy guy on TV. Um, But after that, basically, I went back... uh to regular life whereas a lot of contestants go and do the influencer gig um there was this really cool gas station down the road uh every time i went in there it was playing awesome music and the gas was always cheaper than everywhere else and i was like this is the best gas station i was working some crappy little job uh doing youtube for someone and uh I was like sick of it. And I said, I went in for coffee one morning and I was like, I want an application. I need to apply to this gas station. I'd rather work here than do this YouTube shit because this place seems like the coolest place on earth. And uh, that's how I started working at 36 Lynn refuel station with Lonnie McCorder, my boss. I don't know if that's a good rundown.
2: <laughs> no, that's actually,
0: Oh, a dude, good that's rundown. awesome. Lonnie's a stud, but I got to, I got to know there's something about the culture of that environment. You mentioned music. What else was it about the vibe? Because if if music was the only thing, that's not going to pull you in and say, oh, I want to work for these
1: guys because I love the music. (laughs) What Um, else was it about the environment in that culture? I think that they had like a counterculture vibe inside the employees were, you know, people that looked like me and if you aren't seeing this i look like a homeless person uh, <laughs> like i mean so it, it like the people that worked there looked like me they were like you know a bunch of burnouts and stuff like that but people that like cared about everyone else I, you know um i also there was a there's like a article that was written about the store and after i read that article too i was just like man this place like i, I read in there that this place gave um they they paid like a living wage basically and like you don't hear that about a gas station that's usually not on the the sell sheet for a gas station to work at a place like that but i was like man it's down the road this place has the best vibes like they pay a living wage like i'm gonna go do that you know um i'm also a big believer in like uh doing stuff or like working on yourself I got into pizza before I was on <laughs> before I was on Big Brother, I was a pizza delivery driver. The way that I got on Big Brother is I used delivery driving as my gimmick to be like, I'm the best delivery driver there ever was. When I go up to a place, I pretend that I'm colder than I am to try to get bigger tips. And I was like, I'm using uh, psychology to manipulate tips out of people. And that was my character, the pizza boy. I got into pizza because, you know, I was like, I need to learn how to be better at socializing with people. Um, and the gas station was another one of those situations where it's like, man, I'm going to be just talking to people all the time. Like that's a good skill to
2: have is being personable. So I I thought it was also a way to improve myself really. You know, I remember seeing your video uh, wasn't there was some video I saw of you on Big Brother and it was like, yeah, like everyone thinks I'm a pizza boy, but I'm here for business. And I thought that was like the best video clip. (laughs)
1: There's there's a lot of really funny clips, but uh, yeah, there's it was definitely like. I mean, there's even a part where they all were like, you're not a pizza boy. You're a secret genius who's like lying to us. And it's like, no, no, no,
2: I'm actually a pizza boy. And but yeah, it's a yes. Go watch some of that season. Yeah. What was your audition for the show? Like, like, how'd you how does a person get on Big Brother?
1: So they had an open casting call at the Mall of America. My friend was going because my friend was like, I'm definitely going to be on this show. Like, we all love the show. We'd all just every summer talk about it. I was like, well, I'm going to go down to the cities. I'll have, like, uh, lunch with my friends. Um, I sat in line. It's, like, this huge line. It was, like, they bring in groups of five people, and then they ask you all questions like... Of this group of people, who would you backstab? Or who would you want to be your friend in the game? You know, stuff like that. I kind of knew that that's what the setup was. I sat in that line with a bunch of random people around me I didn't know. I was very quiet. I just listened to everything that they were saying around me. And then when they brought us into that little small group thing, I just turned on and just started being like, this person's dumb. Like, I would take them with me because they actually are seemingly really stupid. Like, I basically just started dog shitting all over everyone. And everyone one's mouth just like dropped and like after we got out they were all like let's exchange numbers just in case one of us gets on the show and I was like that seems like a weird thing or like just like my little group I think even my little group knew I had the juice I guess uh and then after that I was like I never really wanted to be on the show because I think it's, like, opening a closet of skeletons, basically. Like, Mm. I mean, even today, someone posted my naked pictures from the show on Twitter (laughs) of me trying to, like, bait me into stuff, you know? So, like, ten years later, they're still coming at me. uh, But... It uh, yeah, I just kept being myself. I was like, well, if they want me this lunatic on their show, then I'm gonna give them the lunatic, you know. So uh, <laughs> it uh, yeah, I don't know how I got on that show, but they they put me on, and I yeah, I don't know how it happened. We oh,
2: that's wild.
1: Yeah, I, I love d- that it was all
0: about you were just being yourself, kind of liberated instead of feeling like you needed to to, to conform to a specific role. You're going, I already. You must have known. Before mm-hmm. that you had the juice you mentioned, that there was something about you that gave you the liberty to express who you truly were, versus I wonder if they're looking for a crazy dude. I can <laughs> pretend <laughs> yes. to be a crazy dude. <laughs> yeah. What gave you that confidence to know that I I have the personal brand, mm-hmm. that look and feel and and the juice to uh I to express it? No,
1: it's something deep inside your guts, I guess. I don't know how to describe that, but I mean, like I said in the auditions and stuff like that, it's just like, I don't talk the same as other people. Like, I'm just a different person. Like, I think it probably stems from my name being McRae. Like, that's my first name. And I think, like, it's one of those things where, like, I had to grow into my name McRae. It's such a weird name. And, like, that turned me into a weird person, I guess. So, like, a lot of things about me just stand out. I've got the look. I've got, like... Again, I look like a homeless person. Long hair. Like, I think um, having that stuff, like, having a look, having a gimmick when I went in there and being like, I'm going to be the pizza boy. Like, I know that. These shows cast on archetypes, there's always the hot jock, and then there's the cheerleader next girl next door, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of knew I did have to play into an archetype of, like, the nerd guy, but mm-hmm. from that point, I can deviate, I can change it into the pizza boy that's also, you know, so but I you took, were already a pizza guy, right? You yeah. Already, so you, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I'm
0: going to be the pizza boy. It's like, no, this is who I am. This, yes. I, I already am this D- like McRae, by the way mccray <laughs> the name mm-hmm. that could easily sound like ivy league hello my name is mccray and you know all buttoned up
1: right yeah. <laughs> oh, i say exactly that yeah. you know and you're totally not that right yeah yeah
0: but did yeah, your parents be. did your mom did your family ever go man i love your creativity do they kind of support you <laughs> and your uniqueness or were they going Dude, you're out
1: of control. We need to harvest uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I was more the black sheep, I guess, uh, of my little family. Uh, my sister, we always say, it was the golden child. Uh, but after I got on Big Brother, then it was like, oh, we're so proud of you! Well, like, they all fucked, they loved it after that, because they could show me off to their friends, like, oh, my son was on TV for a whole month, or, you know, a whole <laughs> three months or whatever. Uh, but I don't think that, my dad was definitely in the video background. I think going back to where did this come from? It came from when I started going to video production school, It actually broadcasting in high school. When I started doing broadcasting in high school, um, I was doing in front of the camera stuff behind the camera stuff, but that's how I learned of like how to pop on camera, I guess. Um, And so I think, like, it all stems from that, me going to college for video production stuff and then people being like, we need talent for our shoot. And so I was always like, I'll do it. I don't care. Like, put me in some clothes and I'll... So I think it, like... Again, it's just, like, me pushing myself into a situation that's uncomfortable, basically. Like, mm-hmm. every, no one wants to be on talent. Or no one wants to be talent. No one wants to be on screen. You know, it's fun, but also it's, like, it's nerve-wracking. So I think, uh, again, it's in the quest to better myself that I'm, like, all right, I need to put myself in front of the camera. I need to read from a teleprompter. I need to, uh, I'm not afraid to be a jackass. I'm not afraid to look like a jackass. Um, I Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where we were. <laughs> I
0: love the I love the idea that you noticed that it was a it was something that you need to grow into. You you mentioned this a couple of times. One was like uh, a pizza delivery boy requires you to be good with people, mm-hmm. and then you actually tried to excel at that with a strategy of like how do I manipulate? Is a terrible word, but it's it's influence really is what Absolutely. you're doing. Yep. But then you did the same thing with I want to be good with people. I want to be good on camera. Mm-hmm. Being in front of a camera it is nerve-wracking. It's mm-hmm. um you become hyper self-aware so Absolutely. much so that it's almost paralyzing. You can't yep. remember your words, yep. you can't but if you, but you put yourself into challenging ex- environments to help you grow.
1: That's Absolutely. not that's not normal. <laughs> I don't think it is. And even like Big Brother is that same exact thing where it's like I remember maybe like 2 days before they Kidnapped me—that's what they call it. Uh, But two days before they kidnapped me, I remember like talking to my mom in the kitchen. Like, is this the right thing? Like, should I be doing this? Like, should I even be going on this show? Like, what happens if I get in a showmance? What if I start, you know, like, what if something happens on TV? Like, what are you guys gonna do? And my mom said, like, you go there. Do not worry about us. Make good TV. Like, that's the only thing that you should worry about. And again, so it was like there was definitely a time where I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this, but. You know, you gotta take chances, you gotta take risks, and you gotta put yourself in situations that, you know, you don't necessarily wanna be in. Um, I feel like a lot of people today are like, oh, well, I mean, I've got anxiety, so I don't wanna do this or that. And like, I'm a very anxious person, but there's a lot of times where I start to think, like, okay, but the only way to get over the anxiety is to like head first, just dive into it and just get dirty, basically. Uh, I, I still to this day have to, tell myself that, you know, when I'm don't want to do something, but um I don't know. I don't know if that sounds very no.
0: in line yeah. with branding in a convenience store. It's like it is so scary to get outside of the norm. Absolutely. Right? And and Frank has been to more convenience stores than I can count. <laughs> He's eaten at more convenience stores than I've eaten. <laughs> so he knows what the experience is like. Uh, mm-hmm. to To have a very unique experience for a customer to go, wow, like you, McCray at, at mm-hmm. Lynn, like this was this was different. Yeah. This is definitely not safe, Frank. Yeah. What was your experience like? When, uh, like when you think about convenience stores, like they're totally awesome.
2: Oh, I, I mean, I think I think y'all bring up good points though because. Everyone kind of just tries to outcompete each other by being more like each other sometimes. And mm. I've always found that really bizarre. I, I always kind of joke like, there's some convenience stores out there. If someone was to like blindfold you, take you in the store, spin you around so you're disoriented, and then take off the blindfold, like, okay, where am I? If you remove their logos, you wouldn't know because. They all look the same, same products. And you're right. It can be scary to try something that's that's different or completely out of the box. I mean, that's, that's why I'm wearing a fave trip shirt. <laughs> I mean, you know, those guys, uh, they don't do anything like anybody else. But that's also what makes them stand out, uh, you know, and, that. and that's what? cool.
1: One of the interesting things about uh, my boss, Lonnie, like my, I don't have necessarily a marketing background. Uh, My dad works in vinyl signs and stuff like that. So I understand the psychology of signs and stuff like that. But uh, Lonnie told me right away, like, who are we competing with? And I was like, oh, you know, Speedway, your holidays, whatever. And he's like, no, that is not who we're competing with. We're competing with Apple. We're competing with, like, he just starts naming off these huge brands. And I, like, Mm -hmm. talk about scary where I'm like, what do you mean that I have to now pretend that I'm competing with Apple? But I think, like, what he was really trying to say is, like we're not competing with what everyone else is doing because that's how you get inside the box and you stay there. Like he wants me to push outside the box and start dreaming up an Apple like future. You know? Um, I think that's like, at first I was just like, what are you talking about? This is a gas station. But then like, as I started working with him, I started to realize like, Oh, this is bigger. Or, you know, like this could be bigger and we should treat it not like a gas station. We should treat it like everyone's favorite, you know, spot. I don't know.
2: You know, but Ernie, I feel like that's what we heard when we talk with liquid death. I I mean, it's this idea that a lot of people they've hired, they aren't your cookie cutter traditional people, but they bring a whole different skill set to the table that allows them to really just like, you know, color outside the lines a little bit in a way that sticks. I like that. You know,
0: when, with, uh, when by hiring McRae, someone, what he's, what, what, uh, um, Lonnie's doing is Lonnie's going, like I need to stand out. It is going to be impossible for me to do that if I hire somebody who has been a marketing director for a convenience store chain in the past because they've been conditioned already yeah. to compete in that, the sameness, mm-hmm. like fast, friendly, clean. And what do we do? We go, oh, our bathrooms are the cleanest. Oh, we're gonna be super clean. They really don't have a lot of influence over the execution of that in the store, right? Mm-hmm. And yet- if we're all competing for fast, friendly, clean, then there isn't any real difference. But if you bring somebody like McCray in that's gonna go, look, I'm just gonna I just wanna have some fun and get crazy, <laughs> then all of a sudden it's a completely different experience. And I would love to know, McCray, like what are some of the cool, fun things that you did that in hindsight, because you've never worked for a convenience store before, like in hindsight, what are things that you did that are like so out of the the railroad tracks of typical convenience store marketing.
1: Um, like, the thing... My boss basically just, like, pats me on the back and says, Go get it, you know? Just, like, whatever I can dream up, he's supportive of uh my favorite bit that i did maybe last summer i think it was i hooked a water hose up to one of our gas pump hoses and then like circled that hose over by one of the pumps and then i put my car there and then i like it was right when like all the gasoline was you know people were putting gasoline in you know jugs and stuff like that and i started like pretending that I was filling up a plastic bag with gas, you know, or I started like drinking out of the hose just like, just to try to get customers reactions and stuff like that. Um, I'll probably do that one again. Cause that's, <laughs> it's evergreen. <laughs> that is evergreen. Uh, but yeah, just like playing with customers, like, there, You know, a customer immediately was like, hey, you need to stop that because I'm just like shooting what he thinks is gas everywhere, just water. <laughs> but he runs inside. He's like, there's someone out there just shooting gas everywhere. And it's like, well, one, like that's super funny. And I wish I had that reaction. But two, it also shows me that like our customers care about what's going on in the lot. Like the, our customers are protective of our store. So uh, it was like one of those things where it's like, man, I really appreciate that. And like we should give this guy something free because
0: oh my people gosh. that
1: care. That's that would be clarity. awesome footage to get in that clip. You know, you have somebody
0: else with a camera going, what are the, what are customers' reactions like? Because we love to see, because when, when we see someone reacting, yep. we, um, we kind of experience it, yep. uh, through their eyes. Yeah, and if empathize. It's, like, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember watching the Olympics when, uh, Michael Phelps was winning everything. Mm-hmm. This is one of those critical things of like, we've got to show the consumer's experience because when Michael was winning everything and he was doing the solos, the solo races, he'd kind of finish busting a record and he'd just be like hanging out in the pool going, eh, it's my thing. So as an audience member, you're going, I can't get excited because he's not. (laughs) But in the five five medley, the five person medley, Mm -hmm. like the last... 200 yards or something like that, he's pounding on the, the swim platform and everybody's going nuts. Well, that gave me permission as an audience member to get excited as well. And so we need to see more consumer, I think in our marketing and stuff, we need to see more consumer reaction. Uh, Otherwise, it's coming from the voice of the establishment, the institution, yeah. and nobody Absolutely. believes that stuff. Absolutely.
2: See, and I'm just laughing thinking of this because I don't know if any of you guys watch. Uh, uh, Well, it used to be called Ross Creations, but vlog creations on YouTube. Uh, He does stuff like he's in Florida, but he'll partner with all these local businesses and just does stupid pranks at businesses that don't really like punch down or really hurt anyone. But then he always like pays them for, you know, like, hey, sorry, this was a prank. Here's like 200 bucks, you know, and it's like I could totally see that guy at 36 like where you guys have set something up and customers are like, Oh my God, he's drinking out of the gas pump outside. What the, <laughs> hell, what the hell's going on? And, you know, and just getting their reactions. It's, but, yeah. but that's kind of the thing though. It's like, everyone does the same stuff. Everyone just, we have five cents off. We have a twofer on monster. We've got this. And it's just like the sea of sameness. And when people do what you guys are doing at 36 Lynn, not only does it like stand out as a breath of fresh air, but as someone who lives, you know, three hours away and comes up there a lot, uh, Like, you guys legitim your store legitimately feels different than any other store when you walk inside. Like, the employees are awesome. Everyone's happy. There's a vibe to it that you do not get from these big corporate stores. And it is very, very – I mean, hell, my sister came in with me, and she said the same thing immediately. She's like, (laughs) this place is cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's a – yeah, you got to do something different. You got to stand out. You know, you got to just, I, yeah, I can't stress that enough. But it is just a sea of normal and boring and safe. It's so safe. Everything is safe now. Um, I, uh, you know, like, <laughs> yes, I don't know what the future of advertising and marketing is. But I do believe that it is in making people laugh. Like, like, okay, so we were talking about um, Nitro your character yeah like i didn't realize like that's an earnest you made an earnest you know what i'm talking about like I, want, I need to make an earnest. I was like, I've been watching Ernest's Greatest Hits Volume 1. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And the thing about it is that it's like, I'm laughing, but I would still buy those products because it's like, I'm laughing with them. It's like, that's the free part. That's the part that they're giving something to me is a laugh. I get endorphins moving and, you know, I see that product. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll see next time I'm out. Maybe I might grab that, you know, if I see it because I'll remember it. But that's the thing where it's like, It's a Trojan horse for selling something, Uh, and I think we need to get back to that because the sell, like, everyone knows what the sell is. Everyone can smell it from a mile away. We're a savvy culture now. Like, people are aware of tactics and marketing tactics. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the earnest is, like, the best marketing tactic because it it is a Trojan horse. You know, you bust down the doors with laughter, and inside the horse is the product that you're trying to move. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're paying for it's not, you shouldn't be paying for the advertisement. You should be paying for the content of something that's going to make my customers laugh. Um, and that's kind of what our strategy is. Also, now that I think about it at the gas station is like, I want to make people laugh. You know, that's a, uh, that's the easiest way to get into someone's head. I think is through endorphins. McCray.
0: I, the, yeah. One of the things you're mentioning there is uh, the emotional, like I, I'm a marketing guy and I've been studying it for freaking ever. Mm-hmm. And so I get nerded out with this kind of it. stuff.
1: Hell
2: yeah.
0: So you're talking about an emotional reaction to a customer. People make purchases based on emotion, not on, you know, what their mind says. And there's tons of research to back that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I, I'm actually on the website, on the 36 link website, the personality of the marketing that you're producing is highly fun. It is zany at mm-hmm. terms. Is there any desire or is there any plans to kind of incorporate that personality into like their website, which currently is very formal
1: it's, and uh, straightforward?
0: <laughs> is there or is there two different things
1: going on? I um I don't know. I think like we are definitely looking to like redesign the website. Um I don't know if we'll definitely go in that direction, I guess. My the thing is my boss likes to have like he like it's a gas station. The first thing you think of a gas station, you think of like cracks in the tiles and whatever. Like so, I think that he outwardly wants to have something that's very clean and like very formal or whatever. Uh, just with like our branding, I guess. Um, but you know, I I might have to mention it to him. Though, like maybe we should try to go like a little bit goofier or a little bit zanier but that's the other thing is like i don't have any trust in my abilities as a marketer or like i don't trust in what i know but i guess again this is me trying to put myself out into a position where i could grow and learn from the masters frank Mm -hmm. and ernie so i I don't know
0: oh yeah because i think there's not everybody checks out sorry checks out the website Mm -hmm. when they're looking to go buy gas or Mm -hmm. food the, oh, let me check out the website here. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure they're you know Doesn't authentic happen. to who they are. Yep. <laughs> but when they do come across it, I've always found that it's super, super important to infuse that same personality into mm-hmm. all the different touch points to create a consistent thing. And what's nice about uh, your, uh, like you can still be hyper clean mm-hmm. and delicious and show off like awesome food or whatever mm-hmm. and still have your personality. It's not exclusive. One's not like, oh, if they're if they're having fun, then yeah. they, it can't possibly be clean. What well, in, in all actuality, it's probably the opposite. If you have employees that are having a blast, they're probably doing their job. Yeah, you know, and they're probably doing a really good job at it too, because they they feel comfortable in the environment. They want to. They, they're proud of the organization that they work for, and so yeah, they're going to clean the bathrooms as often as needed. Instead, of like you go to these uh, other convenience stores where the the person behind the desk the counter looks like they are absolutely miserable they <laughs> yep. have been sentenced <laughs> yep. to clerkship behind yep. a desk and you're like dude do you hate your job because yep. there's nothing there's nothing about this experience that is appealing to me because you as uh, the representative of this brand look mm-hmm. like you're in pain to be here
1: <laughs> yep and that is basically every <laughs> gas station. It's, it truly is. I feel like I want to start tipping people just to be like, man, I need you. Something's wrong right now. Like you need 20 bucks, I think more than I yeah. do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, our gas station does definitely do it differently. And like we, uh, my boss is really smart about all that kind of stuff of like, yeah, like the first thing that they see coming through the door is a person there greeting them with a smile and like, how's it going? Or, you know, like, uh, it, yes, it feels like Mayberry. Like, it feels like just a small town where everyone knows your name. Um, I used to only sh- I, I used to only go to this bank in, like, this small little town that I used to live in because they knew my name. And, like, that changed the game for me. To me, it's just like, it's like Mayberry. And it's like, I only want to go to a place where everyone knows my name, you know? Like, call it Cheers so everyone, Norm, you know, comes through the door. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, that... We need to get back to that. I don't know. What, what would be your response then to this major movement
0: mm-hmm. of self-checkout? Independ- you know, no customer, you know, like, what is it? Amazon Go. And there's a couple others that are going, look, we can make it so that our employees never have to make eye contact. <laughs> and what they do is they stock shelves and they keep things clean. But there's no human interaction, <laughs> which is what they're saying is our customers don't want that. Where it's in the
1: way. What would you say about that, McCray? I mean, if we're talking about generally AI and when it comes to gas stations and stuff like that, I think it's amazing because the less I have to be a registered jockey, the more time I have to, you know, talk to customers, figure out what they want. Um, I like that. You know, I think. Um, I think there's a time and a place. There's plenty of times where I'd like, I don't want to make eye contact with the world. And so I would love to not have to, but, you know... that's give and take or like that could be any other day like the next day i want some interaction you know um i think there's a it's gonna have to be a balancing act because the people that come into our store you know they want to shoot the shit they want to just like take a couple 10 minutes to just like oh what's going on in the neighborhood you know like they want to talk about that it's building community um i think that AI stuff will have its place, and I think that everyone will have to figure out how to balance that, but, I mean, yes, if I don't have to run the register and I can shoot the shit with everyone and I can go out and film stuff, that means that, you know, there's, yeah, I just have more opportunity to do stuff that matters to people instead of just, like, mindlessly... Beep, beep, beeping. Whatever.
0: What do know? you think, Frank? Because obviously, you know, you probably know <laughs> yeah. More I'm out
2: the whole AI world. I'm than, biased because I do this almost anybody's job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm a little biased here, so take it for what it's worth. Um, I I think honestly, you know, I kind of like to say it this way. You look back to if you were to ask someone in like the 1930s or 40s what the future of amusement parks is going to be. Do you really think anyone would ever have have said something like what Disneyland ended up being? Mm-hmm. I don't really think so. You know, it, it, it it took someone like Walt, who was just a pure creative human being to really connect the dots in the way that he did and say, no, you're all doing this wrong. This is what it should be. And then, you know how it's gone from there. And you look at, you know, you read just how he thought about the theme park, the way he interacted with the employees the way You know, I read a story where he, I think it was in the line for jungle cruise and someone wasn't doing something right. Rather than dressing this guy down in public and being an asshole, he just was like, Hey, I got a really good idea about how you could do this differently. And, And he suggested it to him and then it's like, I'm going to just like come back anonymously and just come through the line. And I want to see if this is working. But at least the way I read it, I mean, I wasn't there. But the way I read it is it just sounded like he was like, whoa we could do this so much better. This could be so much cooler. I'm going to help this person. And when I look at retail, there's just been this like race to the bottom where you're just paying people to scan barcodes and read scripts. You know, some CMO presses a script down because they're trying to push a loyalty program. A person looks at me, they've seen me 200 times because I live a mile away at this store. And they're like, do you have our rewards program? And I'm like, dude, you, you know who I am? You know if I use it or not. <laughs> I know that you know this. You know that I know that you know. I mean, it's really, really awkward. I would rather someone just be like, hey, what's up, man? Or like, oh, hey, that shirt you're wearing is cool. Or like, oh, you got a bike rack on your car. Do you like cycling? Like, dude, I just bought a road bike. That's that's that, that's that all you're looking for. Just a friendly hello in the morning. Mm-hmm. We have like pulled the humanity out of retail to an astonishing degree where these people are having to be automatons and And again, I'm ranting here, but the thing is what I think the more that you can like automate away those tasks and just like stores still need people unless it's a little shipping container store where you can barely fit three people. And yeah, I guess you could run that unmanned, but like a convenience store, you need human beings there. Someone's got to clean. Someone's got to stock shelves. Uh, I mean, you see how many customers come through 36 Lynn. I can, it's like playing Jenga or or Tetris to get in the parking lot sometimes, which is a cool thing, but um, (laughs) I'm with you. I've worked a cash register. (laughs) (laughs) I worked at cash register. I, I hated it. Like it was the worst part. I liked interacting with people. No, it's yes. Yes.
1: And that's, that's the part that I hate too, where it's like, as soon as I get behind that register, I like, I'm just so annoyed, (laughs) but it's like, as soon as I step out from that desk and just like start, you know, having a conversation, it's just like, Oh, this is so much better. And man, yeah, to me, it's just like, if I didn't, if no one had to do that, it'd be amazing. It'd be so nice. uh, In my opinion. But that is the thing is like, Yes, you still need that human interaction, because humans crave interaction, even when they don't, you know, when what I always think about how uh, in prison, when you are bad, you go to prison. When you're bad in prison, they take you away from other yes, people. Yes, yes. Like, that t- tells me all I need to know about humans interacting with other people. It's Crucial. Yeah,
2: Everyone it's well them. accepted that a way to torture a person is to isolate them. And yeah, exactly. like I mean I'm I'm I mean I'm fairly introverted. I to me heaven is like not showering for a week and playing video games with headphones on. Like that's that's just pure bliss. Um but with that said, like even I know I need human interaction. It's literally and just who we are. Um I don't know if any of you guys have read this book, uh The Great Good Place by Ray Oldenburg. Um he's the one who coined that phrase the third place and um, it's a fantastic book. It's, I was like reading older stuff, you know, instead of, you know, whatever's new in the airport business section, but yeah. you know, it's one of those old yeah. books that I swear could have been written today because it's describing this like problem of place in the United States that like, we don't have third places like they do in Europe. You know, we don't have that bar where everybody knows your name. I mean, if I was to walk and I've tried this, just I've, I've experimented with this. If you walk into a bar and you just try to talk to random people, they think you're creepy because they bring their social circle to the bar. They don't go there to find it. And well, you know, there's 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 a few exceptions, but I guess I always felt like the convenience store in a weird way is just like one of the 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 few business verticals that has an opportunity to actually create a third place because it's a mixer. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are or how poor you are. Everyone's got to buy gas. You have to buy yep. it. So everyone the comes hole. there. And when I look at like 36 Lynn, I mean, you know this better than me, but I always kind of felt like you guys straddled like three different demographics. You've got this like gentrified kind of, you know, area that uh, has some older homes, but but they went down and then, yeah, you got the guys, you know, uh, you know, obsessing over their pour over coffee, which is bad. That's, I don't know. That's what I got here. But um, you've got, you know, maybe some lower income and then you've got some like older money. I always felt like you really... Mm -hmm. Had a pretty good that's, mixer as far as where you're located.
1: Yes, it's it truly is like just everything, everyone under the sun. Um, another thing that's really awesome about our store is that it's just extremely <laughs> diverse with people from all over the place. Everyone wants cheap gas, you know. No matter if you're poor, or cheap or, or you're wealthy, you still want cheap gas. Um, and yeah, so it I. Yeah, it's amazing what our demographics are. I think because it is just you can't pin it down. You know, well, I saw everyone. a photo
2: where you guys had a band on the roof of the store. <laughs> what was that about?
1: Um, we um, we for a while, like every summer, we would have an AMC car show. AMC's are old, old you know, American-made cars that they don't make anymore, but they all used to be, like, produced in America, and a bunch of them were produced in Minnesota. Um, These old-timers basically bring out their old AMC cars and park them in the parking lot. We just shut down the store, or shut down the gas station part. Um, And, you know, we try to, like, do crazy stuff, like have bands on the roof with speakers and stuff. Like, we try to put on, like, a spectacle. Um, And I'm I'm a huge proponent of spectacle. I think that is... Big, but I mean, that, that gets you noticed as a gas station is like, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see a band on top of a gas station playing. It's like, is this the Beatles or what? You know, like, and every band wants to play on the roof of a building because of the Beatles. So um, it works for everyone. You know, it's a win-win-win all around for the community, for us, for the bands. Uh But yeah, we like to... We like to, I mean, everyone likes to give back to their community, but uh, we like to do it in a different way. You know, usually like we'll have just my boss will get like a 24 pack of beers and just be like, here, handing them out to like the people in the neighborhood, you know, like, let's just pound a beer quick. You know, it's like it does feel like a block party, you know, I I guess it kind of is a block party in a way. Yeah. uh, But again, that's why people come out. We were in the middle of all the riots or civil unrest in 2020. We're a couple streets away from Lake Street, which was the epicenter of it all. But, you know, like, our customers would come out, bring folding chairs, and they would stay and protect our store all night with us while we were also out there. And it became, like, a weird kind of camp feel. But it it always was, like, about... The store and the store being the heart of this little community um it's it's so bizarre it really is that like i think i it still boggles my mind when i think about it now you know like this little store like changes people's lives as stupid as that sounds like enough for these people to come out and like want to show their support and not through money or anything like that but with their time like in the middle of the night uh it's
2: very bizarre our station is so weird (laughs) <laughs> I love it. It's great. That's wild. So, so when you got off big brother, you basically were just like, Hey, I'm going to take a job here and kind of see how this goes. Like we just, you said, we were just like, kind of like working a night shift.
1: Yeah. I basically like, yes, I'm on night owl. So I was always like, yeah, I'll just do the oh, closing like shift. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I was always like, oh, I'll just take the closing shift. That's fine. Like, um, and like, that's a thing where it's like, I'm not built like the biggest dude or anything like that, but I think my look like gives off a crazy vibe. And so like, I would always just like shake my hair up and look extra crazy at night. Just so it's like, if anyone's going to try to anything crazy, I will out crazy you at this point, you know? So that was my defense mechanisms. Uh, but yeah, I love working night shift. You know, I'd have customers come in and just like talk to me while
2: I'm closing up shop and like, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Night shift. It was fine. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, when we were all talking the other day, you mentioned something about like how how your boss Lonnie had just like immediately kind of saw like you had some real skills here, you know, beyond working a night shift. Like, I mean, with marketing, you know, and storytelling and and being creative, you know, how how so you just started doing social media, basically, it kind of all went from there.
1: I mean, uh, a guy that worked at the store before me had an Instagram called dogs buying stuff which is actually a really good idea for an instagram but it was just like he would just take pictures of the dogs in the store or whatever you know um and then i was like well why don't we actually have like an instagram why don't we have like a real social media and so like on the night shift i just started like making our social media for the store and uh just started posting memes or whatever content whatever stupid stuff i was just bored thinking up when i uh was at the store, you know, I was thinking about it right now, the uh, Tide Pod Challenge, you know, when that was a big thing that kids were eating Tide Pods, I uh, I took a little plastic bag and I filled it with, like, sugar, and then I s- spun it up so it looked like a Tide Pod, and I was like, yum! And then, like, that was, like, maybe one of the first videos I made, I guess. But um, I don't believe in social media. I, I do now, but back then I did not, but I was like, we should have a presence no matter what. Um, and... When I started to believe in social media, it was when people kept coming in and being like, hey, you run that social media. You run the stores. Like, I love that page. I love it. And I heard it from so many people that I had to start believing. I started, I had to get high on my own supply. Like, yeah. it was like, okay, this is actually working and people are responding to it. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think it was possible, but I started to believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting that um, you Got
0: validation for social media in real life, not from social media feedback.
1: Yes. And so because I think I, it's awesome. Well, and that to me was like, this is real because yeah. all the like validation on social media is exactly what the social media platforms want you to do they want you to engage because that keeps other people engaging that keeps people Mm -hmm. on the platform like it's not real validation none of this on social media is real validation but when you do hear someone like oh i saw you post about this product i came in because i wanted to try it too you know i love your instagram and people coming from out of state to be like I love your Instagram where we, we had to stop by the store, you know, Mm -hmm. it, then it truly tells me that it's like, okay, social media is something that could be useful. You know Uh, it's yes, because I am a skeptic. I'm like a cynic. uh, I don't believe in, I don't believe in everything, anything really. But uh, that, but yeah, it made me believe I started. I, yes, I
2: believe now.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) I don't know about that, but I appreciate it
2: you know, so as we're kind of winding down, you know, a couple, a couple things. I always really think, um, what's the craziest stuff you've seen happen at a gas station? Like you've got to have, you've got to have some good stories.
1: Um, well, I got slapped in the face like, uh, last year by a customer. That was crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Um, I, you know, I've, I've definitely seen people that I'm like, this person is either drunk or overdosing. Like th- there's been times where I'm like, I have to like, I'm gonna have to save someone. Um, you just like crashes outside the store. I'm trying to think, you know, the craziest one I think that happened was basically during all the 2020 civil uprising, riot, whatever. Um, a gas tanker came from our store and went out onto 35W when the, uh, Mindot was trying to close up the roads because a huge group of protesters were out on 35w the the tanker basically comes barreling down on these people like stops in time they pull him out and they like beat this guy or whatever because they think he's like white supremacist or some shit and like I have to be... I'm in Rochester, which is, like, an hour away from the cities. I see, like, that looks like our... I see this stuff happening on the news. And I see, like, the tanker. And I'm like, that looks like a tanker that came from our store. I call Lonnie. I'm like, hey, did you see anything about this? Like, what? I send him the video. And he's like, that came from us. So then it's, like, all hands on deck. I'm not a PR person. I don't know. I don't have any PR background. But all of a sudden now, we've got a PR insanity on our hands, basically. So I have to come down and, like start telling people, like, oh, no, he's just doing his job, like, he's just doing his job, but the way that the internet turned on this guy and, like, started to make these narratives about him, I think, like, that, in all honesty, was the craziest thing ever, because I had to become a PR guy in about five seconds, and had to start spinning, you know, like, this is, I didn't have to spin anything because it was the truth, but it's, like, That was a trial by fire. Uh, I got thrown into the deep end and started to see like how narratives are built around stuff that's not true. It was bizarre. It was so bizarre. Everything about watching that.
2: Yeah, I totally remember that. I I, I saw it on Twitter. I saw some video of a truck and people were, you know, just jumping to these conclusions. And then, you know, when you hear about it at least what I remember about this, it sounded like the guy was just, he's panicking. He's like, I'm just doing fuel deliveries. All of a sudden there's a mass of people on the interstate. I have no idea what's going on and this is scary. And, and uh, yeah, it's like a good, good reminder, not to jump to conclusions. Um,
1: Absolutely. And to this day, people still don't believe me when I say that guy was not a terrorist. He was just a dude doing his job. Like people still don't believe me because of the narrative spun. And that truly bothered me to my core. Like it really bothered me of like, it doesn't even matter what the truth is. It's the story you tell. And I think that's a good way to go out. <laughs> marketing is all about the story you tell. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like some marketing nonsense. <laughs> That's totally true though. Marketing
0: is the story you tell well, and it's a story and it's not just the story you tell. It's like the story you create. It's the, it's a story that you try to basically give fuel for so that the customers can tell the same story. Cause if you're trying to sell one story and the reality is a different story, people are going to go with the real story and they're yep. going to think that the, uh, the marketing people are a bunch of idiots.
1: Yep. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future of marketing is, but I do believe it's more earnest. Bring back earnest. I think I'm making, I think I'm going to make a earnest. I mean, I want to make a, I want to, yeah, I think we're going to have, that's my next plan is to figure out a spokesman or a, you know, something like that.
2: Do you ever sometimes feel, I, I mean, we see this all these times, you know, what's old is new again and that kind of a thing, but yeah. do you ever kind of feel like um, you look back at like the 90s, you know, the 80s too, but the 90s, and I just felt like they put all this effort into, not everyone, but they put all this effort into creative. Uh, I mean, like I was bringing the example of McDonald's all the time. I mean, how hard they win, but it wasn't just them. I mean, these jingles, these companies would come up with that I still remember verbatim. I mean, if I if I see bagel bites in the freezer section, I start singing, you know, pizza in the morning, pizza in the, you know, all that whole stuff, and. I mean, wow. Like that's, well, like I don't that even know power. what the
1: advertisement was for. I feel like chicken tonight. I yes. feel like chicken tonight. I don't even know what that's for, but that is ingrained in my memory and I don't <laughs> I know why or whatever, but yes, I like, I love that song. <laughs> if I saw why that, don't we YouTube? do that
0: more often? Yeah. Like seriously, right? why aren't yes. marketing people, especially convenience stores, especially convenience stores, there should be a jingle. For every convenience store out there to drive it in because it becomes this like earworm that just works in your head over and over and over again. But we haven't, I haven't seen or heard any good jingles for anybody recently.
2: I'm going well, to have to What was that, that 7-Eleven one? It's like, if it's not around the block, it's just around the corner or something. It was like the 70s. 7-Eleven jingle. If you hear it, I'll find the I'm video gonna, sometime. Gonna, but yeah. it's on there. If you hear it, it'll be stuck in your head for an hour. It's that good. Um, I remember the old Quick Trip Guaranteed Gasoline radio ads they used to play where... It, it, the guy sounded too serious, like those kinds, you know, like those lawyer commercials where it's like the estate of so and so has authorized. It was like <laughs> this quick trip guaranteed gasoline, and it was so dumb that it was awesome. Um <laughs> Or come and go just had like the most like basic boring jingle, but it was so and basic well. and boring that it was good. Like mm-hmm. it would get stuck in your head. Absolutely. Um I, I'm with you, you know, like. Yeah you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, we can personalize our our emails and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I get your emails and you just sent me like a two for, for Diet Coke instead of regular Pepsi. There's no message behind it though. It's just deal.
1: Because everyone thinks about the
2: short term. Yeah. It's, it's all about the short
1: term monetary. That's why they cut out creative, you know, because creative doesn't, it, you can't like, m- like you can't put a number behind creativity. And that's the problem is that, they don't want that. They want to be able to see the numbers and the numbers are up. So they, they have to cut out these like creative people. I think, in my opinion, I guess, mm-hmm. but like that's, it's all about the number going up and you can't like put a number to creativity and it going up. Like that's why my, my whole thing about like, oh yeah, people started saying that we liked it or that we liked the store's page on Instagram. Like that I can't see that number. I can't see the number of people that, you know, come in and say we like the page. Uh, that's not a number that's, on inst- our social media, you know, um, you can't quantify creativity and it's something that, you know, all these number munchers, uh, they, uh, they're just too stuck in their old ways, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's just all about the bottom line, I think. And,
2: you know, yeah. the whole irony about it, I think we'd probably all agree, like some of the largest consumer facing brands that were built on the backs of creative advertising, like that's, in many ways, their foundation. I mean, you even look at some of the, the old coffee ads, for example, for those old percolators and yeah, putting aside like the weird gender issues in their ads, you know, where the guy's like, your coffee's terrible, you know, to to his wife, but like those (laughs) old ads, I mean, they had, they had, they had the percolator like operating to a beat, (laughs) you know, like a little jingle. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that stuff was really pretty good. Um, some of it, at least. Uh, yeah, well, I'm with you.
1: Now you can do everything in your phone. Literally, mm-hmm. you could make a song. You can film a full commercial that looks quality. Like, everything is doable on your phone. If anyone's listening to this thinking that, uh, like, their store should have social media, just start it yourself. Get Hire an intern to run your TikTok. Like, get kids fresh out of school. They, like, I think that the youth is actually an untapped resource that people need to really start doing getting into because i don't want to be on tiktok i'd rather pay someone that knows tiktok already to start you know i, I like i'd rather just pay a kid that is already well versed in that stuff um but yeah hire the youth that's what i think
2: yeah i mean if you're a kid in school and you're looking for like a good resume boost or something and also of a sudden this like household name convenience store brand is like we need an intern and we're gonna pay you a bit to do this that'd be a killer opportunity honestly you know and as long it's as they got some breathing
1: room store yeah it's i mean you know you're starting a person on a career path, basically yeah. like
2: that's should be also part of the goal of running a business like this. You know? I feel like that's what come and go did. And man, they got a good team doing, doing their, their social, social. accounts. Mm-hmm. But well, as we're wrapping up, um, you know, so for anyone who wants to find you, follow your work, you know, just see what you're up to. What's the easiest way for everybody to, 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 to well, track you down online.
1: Um, I, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm mainly on Twitter. You'll see me ranting and raving on Twitter at McCray Chum. Um, but yeah, and then my Instagram is McCray Olay. Just terrible branding. Like I need to get that on the same same beat, but uh whatever. I don't care. Don't look at my stuff. Go to 36lin refuel station. I believe our handle is at 36lin refuel station on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh send some love. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, it's awesome. Absolutely. No, it's our pleasure to have you. I've been wanting to do this chat for a while. And for anyone listening to like any social handles, we're going to put on the inconveniencepodcast.com's page. Uh, So yeah, inconveniencepodcast.com. It's that simple. And you can get links to any social stuff. But yeah, McCray, seriously, thanks for joining us on here. And we'd be happy to have you back on at any time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can sit and bullshit about this forever. Like I love this stuff. (laughs) I really love this stuff.